0: Last summer, I had an awesome opportunity to actually go and hang out with my sister up in Idaho, up in the beautiful area of Coeur d'Alene. It was, it was gorgeous. And my brother in law is engaged in blacksmithing, loves it. And he's showing us his forts and all the different things that he's been setting up that they were just moving into the house. We had a chance to sit down in front of the television with the family and watch a show called Forged in Fire. where We watched real blacksmiths under intense pressure and a time limit to produce swords and knives and different kinds of things. It was fascinating as we watched them take that hot metal and begin to shape it, having these machines that pounded on it or taking a hammer and pounding on it. And bit by bit, taking what was once just a big chunk of metal and turning it into these beautifully clean, sharp edged, implements whether they were swords or whatever and it was fascinating as that hot metal would lose pieces as it would spark in the air or other parts would fall off and they would take and they would use even the imperfections to bring them together and I was blown away by just the idea that I was seeing that this is where the church You see, in 2020, what I believe happened is that God put the church into the midst of the forge. He placed us into the midst of the heat to heat us up, to burn us up, to get us hot enough that some things were going to be brought in and strengthen us. Some things were going to be removed so that we would be strengthened. Impurities would begin to be shaped out so that we could become the implement God's called us to be the implement that is going to make Him known in all of this world. And I believe that we have an opportunity. If we will see what God has given us is not a a time just of chastisement maybe or judgment in some way, but a time of waking up and an opportunity before us. And I believe our mission statement as all branches more relevant than ever before. That what we have before us is the opportunity to make Him known amongst the 200,000 people that are around us because they've been isolated. They've been living in fear. They've been wondering, what about their future? Their purposes have been removed. There are thousands of baby Christians who have begun the journey and now are starting to realize that in the middle of this fear, they they leaned into that fear of government, that fear of of a virus instead of the faith in Christ. They they begin to wonder who is really in control because they need to be moved into discipleship, move further into knowing Christ. And this is an opportunity that we have as Olive Branch to press in and to begin. To care and really move into our city. Now, I want to encourage you as we talk about this today, we're going to go through three different sermons here in the next over the next three weeks as we discuss our mission statement. And again, who are we as Olive Ranch? Well, here at Olive Branch, we say this, we say we, Olive Branch exists to love, live, and share Christ, to make Him known wherever we go. And I believe that these three implements, to love, live, and share Christ, so that He is known in our lives, He's known in, uh, by others, that He is known by you, that this becomes the powerful ability to, to take hold of this opportunity. In a sense, these three things, to love, live, and share Christ, as we expand them out, are like the, the hammer hits of God on the church to shape us into the implement that He's calling us to be. Every single stroke moves us into a change. And that change doesn't just affect the church. A change affects corona. It begins to move us as he is known and made known in our city. In fact, the greatest change in corona, the greatest change in our church will come when we keep ourselves centered in Christ, constantly centered on that anvil, not getting off, not trying to dodge the blow, not trying to get ourselves away and do other things, but staying centered in Jesus Christ, that brings the change, constantly centered in Christ. And that is what we're going to be focusing on over the next three weeks that we would continue to center ourselves in love of Christ, to center ourselves in the living for Christ, and the centering ourselves is sharing Christ to make Him known. And I believe as God routinely puts us under that blow, we will center ourselves and we will be shaped into the implement that changes Corona, that changes all the branch, that changes indeed our very lives now that first centering then we're talking about today is to love christ you see we center our lives on the ones that we love we really we center our lives on the ones that we love you think about it. you center your lives on your family then you're going to spend time with your family above other things you're going to put them at the center of your life maybe you like your job more than your family and you find that you're going to be working more at your job to giving up time that you could give to your family for your job or, or your friends, or, or maybe it's an addiction. What we love is what we center our lives on, we, and we want to realize that because God gave us what our lives are to be centered on. In fact, Jesus, in the book of Mark, Just after he's just talked through a debate with a group of Sadducees from the temple, he is being asked a particular question by a Pharisee. And he says, hey, what is the great commandment? What is it that you and I are supposed to ultimately do? And Jesus answers, as you know, if you've been a Christian at Olive Branch for a while, Jesus answers, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is called the great commandment, the centered commandment. We are to center ourselves in love of our hearts. That means our desires, in our souls. That means our spiritual and physical lives, in our minds, how we think, in our, with all of our strength, everything we've got to center ourselves, to keep us there and loving our Lord. These are all in the singular. And so what I want you to understand is that you, singularly, you're the one who needs to constantly center your life on the Christ that you love. You need to center constantly your life on the Christ that you love. And here's the thing, we're on that anvil. We're going to want to get off. No, center your life there as you love Christ. And what will happen is that will begin to shape and change you, shape and change your thoughts, your mind, your soul, all these pieces. And I want to encourage you because this is critical, because that's what's going to change us, change our world. But how do we do that? How do I get to know and constantly center my life on Christ? How do I love Christ? What do I do here? And the answer is pretty straightforward. You start simply by getting to know Christ. You're like, well, that that was not an answer, Greg. Well, hold on a minute. All of us get to know people by hearing about them. I mean, you probably heard about God, you've heard about Christ, you've taken in information in your life about who Jesus is and what it means. Maybe you've watched the History Channel or Discovery Channel, or maybe you've seen YouTubes out there on the various uh, ideas about, is Jesus really exist, all that. And I wanted you to note something, because you may have picked up some ideas online in these places that are false. Have you really examined the documents that are from his time period that explain who God is? Have you read the documents that God wants you to hear and know? Have you you seen who God truly is? Because sometimes we make judgments about Christ from people who aren't really looking at the reality. And I want to encourage you. That you dive in and you do the hard work of getting to know Him. That you do the hard work of answering the hard questions. Because you can have questions about God. You can have questions about Christ. And we at Olive Branch, we don't want you to not have a personal relationship with Christ because you have bad information or you have questions that you don't think could be answered. And so we invite all of you who have questions to, to start examining those questions. We, we do this through a group called Starting Point. Starting Point is an awesome uh, opportunity to gather with a group of like-minded people. Maybe you're going to have a friend who needs to jump in this. And with Starting Point, it's an awesome little curriculum that you're able to kind of begin to talk through the issues that you have. Various questions from creation and does why, why does God have a law? Why does He care if we lie? These kind of interesting conversations from Andy Stanley, as he's put it together for us. We use this as a starting place for you to begin to discuss these. I want to encourage you. You can start right now by texting start to this number. And you can jump right in and sign up for that conversational group to start answering your questions. Because here's the thing. You, you can't love Christ if you don't know Him or you think He's awful. And so you need to have those questions. But here's the other thing. Just a side note. We're not going to love God. We're not going to love Christ. We're not going to receive what, we, have, what he, we need from Him if we don't see the need. You're not going to receive what Christ has for you if you're not aware of yourself. This is just reality. I say this all the time, that we're never more blind than, we're trying, than when we're trying to examine our own hearts. In fact, Jesus makes it very clear that in His teachings that we have to be a people aware of ourselves. He, he tells... Um, we, He tells this parable to his disciples in the book of Luke. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, who would have been like the religious expert, right? The the guy everybody would have looked to. The other, a tax collector, which would have been somebody nobody loved. Everybody thought he was a rebel and rejected Israel. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, you know, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Yeah, but the tax collector, this guy who should be rejected by God in the mind of the Israelites, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says this, I tell you, This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And what I love about this is Jesus basically says, hey, there are these two guys. One guy doesn't see his heart, the other guy does. One guy doesn't see that he's proud and arrogant, and that's a sin. The other guy sees that he's a sinner. He knows his brokenness. He understands the rejection in his soul. And it's he who sees himself and sees his need. That guy goes away justified, made right with God, made right in this world. And and so you may have been isolated in these last few years, and you may be um, completely told by a culture, you're good, you're good, you're all okay, and even your flaws are beautiful. You know what? If you don't have some self-awareness to back up and take a look at your own heart, you're not going to see the need for Christ. I want to encourage you to take a look inside, to take a look and ask someone else, how do you perceive me? Get out of your isolation. Get to somebody who's going to be truthful to you, because the bottom line is we are all sinful, broken people that need to be able to see in our own hearts the mess and cry out to God for His mercy because it's there. See, Jesus Christ died on the cross to bear your sins to take away that horrible, horrible weight that we feel. It's not a culture of saying, you're good and you're beautiful because you're flaws. That's not gonna do it because the flaws are still there and they're still hurting you and they're still breaking you. You wanna see those flaws redeemed and receive the new life that Jesus Christ gives when he rose from the dead, when he gives you a new transformation that is coming. Beyond death, you get heaven, you get the resurrection and opportunity. All of this is given as a gift. It's not a different salvation for different people, not if you're rich or poor, not if you're black or white, or not if you're Asian, or, or you, none of that, right? It is the same promise to every human being that if you'll acknowledge and see your sin, and you'll receive the work that Jesus does on the cross, if you'll receive what he gives you as a gift, and not try to earn it or work for it, you will go home justified, right with God. What a gift. And when we see that, and that God loved you so much He'd give you His Son so that you would be saved, now we begin to be motivated and, wow, maybe this is a God I want to get to know. Maybe this is a Christ I want to get to know. And so then we suddenly start to desire to get to know Him and love Him. And you say, I already know him. I've received him, Greg. Like, So what about me? How do I move forward? Well, it's the same thing, right? Still get to know Christ. <laughs> get to know Christ to love him. You got to continue in that journey. This is how it works with any relationship. You want to get to know somebody that, that, you, that you love, right? You don't want to just be like, well, I love you. And I knew who you were when we got married and I'm done. No, you keep on dating. You keep on talking. You keep on engaging. You keep on getting to know. There's more and more to find out. Don't ever feel like you need to stop because God didn't give you just a simple thing like, oh, I read the Bible once I'm good. No, He gave you a a very multi-layered, beautiful expression in so many ways from songs and letters and stories and prophecies and, you know, uh, vision dreams and all these things. He's like, look, I am trying to tell you who I am. And so we get this chance to dive into the Bible and discover God's revelation of Himself. He's revealing Himself. Hebrews, the author, put, the author of the, this letter to the Hebrews says, Long ago, and many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. That's all that stuff in the, in the front, the Old Testament. But in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He appointed heir of all things and through whom He also created the world. And so we learn from the apostles in the New Testament about Jesus and who He is and, and what He has taught us. And so we get this chance to know Him deeply, to engage with Him. And so I want to encourage you, see, in the, in the Bible, we get to know who God is because God's revealing what he's like. And it takes some time to read through this. It's a strange book, but you, you have to get through it. And there's some stuff to understand how our cultures are different. And there's some gap, but you can overcome those things. There's tons of information out there to help you do that. But we need to be a people who are getting to know God and the Word. And what will happen is you'll also get to know yourself. You'll see how God explains what's wrong with humanity, how we need to be faithful to Him, and how we're unfaithful to each other, and all these pieces. And that gap grows and it shrinks as He continually reminds us of what He's done for us. And it just grows our love for God. Now, The fastest way to grow spiritually, and I love this. They did a study in the MOVE study many years ago, and they continue to do this. They always find the number one thing that helps you grow in your spiritual journey with Jesus is reading the Bible daily. It is a practice we must constantly center ourselves in because you're constantly getting to know God. You don't just one day talk to your kids and forget to talk to them for the next three days. You know, it, no, when they're in your house, you talk to them daily. When you're in a relationship with them, you talk to them constantly. And so we do this by being in the word constantly. In fact, we like to use a hand when we make this illustration. There's five ways that you can take on the word. You have the idea of you can read it, right? You can meditate on it. You can, which is to think through it and ponder it. You can uh, hear it being spoken like in a sermon like this, or you can memorize it. And then last is to study it. And if you'll do those simple five things, what you discover is that you'll have, as they say, a good grip on the Bible. Now, if you would like to discover more on how to begin in a journey of of studying the Bible and, and reading through the Bible and having that, we would love to introduce you to our Love Keystone. This is actually starting in person and online very soon. You can see that information there. And you can text uh, Love to that same number and, and we'll get you to that website and get you signed up because we believe that you need to begin somewhere. Here at Olive Branch, we don't believe that you just got to be thrown into the deep end of the pool and you got to start swimming no we understand that you got to start at the shallow end of the pool we understand that there's a middle of the pool and then there's a deep end and not all of you will ever go to the deep end but we would like every christian to at least get to the middle at least to be able to swim in the deep end if they wanted to but at least not just play at the kiddie side right we want you to go deeper yet how do you how do you start well the start is simple if you want to get to know christ today and you want to start somewhere if you just want to start at the centering basic have a plan to read through your Bible. There's a congregant member who's been doing it for, I believe, over 30 years. And he has read a different version of the Bible every year. So it stays fresh, it stays different, and it keeps going. And he's read through that Bible every single year in a different form. That is a powerful, transformative act. And he has come to know God in a deep way because of that simple, transformative act of reading. And maybe you want to, maybe you're like, well, that's it. No, go further. You know, start to memorize the text. Start to study it. We really believe that you need to learn how to study the Word of God, and you need to know how to apply it to your life. And so maybe it's as simple as picking up a book. This is a great one. It's called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. It'll teach you how to study your Bible. It's pretty basic and, and easy to read. And uh, I recommend this book highly. And so maybe that's where you want to go this year as you step forward in getting to know God even more. Read through your Bible. Don't just read a Bible text. Read through it with a plan and read through it so that one day as you begin to study it, it deepens you. If you want to learn more, these are some opportunities to do that. Now, as we get to know God, we want to center ourselves on getting to know Christ because those who love Christ are going to get to know Him. But guess what? When we love someone, we also talk to them. You know, we we actually speak to them. And that's the point. We talk to the ones we love. And so we need to be engaged in the second part personally. As you center your life on loving Christ, then here's what you need to do. You need to be praying. Prayer is that next simple basic of centering our lives. And every time we do it, it's like a hammer blow that shapes us and shapes us and shapes us. You see, prayer is that conversation with God that you have because He speaks back. In fact, the psalmist puts it this way. I love the Lord because He's heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because He inclined His ear to me, therefore I will call on Him as long as I live. Do you see how God speaks back? He says, I love Him because I know He's heard me. Well, how does He know He heard Him? Because He's answered His prayers. God likes to engage you in prayer. But that does mean that we have to stop and listen. We have to realize that God's acting. He wants to hear from us, and He's ready to. And this is a daily practice. Jesus teaches us that. In His model prayer, He said this, Pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice it's this day our daily bread. That's a daily prayer. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a critical conversation we have with God every single day. And He wants to talk back. And so we encourage you, if you're going to send to your life in Christ, you need to send to your life daily in prayer. And if you're going to start, just start with this prayer right here. Start with a model formula prayer and just learn what it means and grow in that prayer and use it every day. Just as rotely stated that when he says pray like this, he means let this be a model for you, expand on it, kind of bring it out. If you're curious about a word, go look it up, but grow in that knowledge. Maybe you wanna use a different model. Some people have used the Acts model, right? ACTS adoration I'm going to adore God confession I'm going to confess my sins thanksgiving I'm going to thank God for stuff and supply I'm going to ask God to bring me a supply and the, of whatever I need and so this fits similarly you start there as you get to the middle of the pool your prayer life is going to expand you'll be able to pray the word you'll pray psalms you'll pray scriptures You'll move into fasting. You'll move into times where you possibly, if you go even further, God may gift you with tongues. God may gift you with faith. God may gift you in the prayer ministry at the church to be somebody who does an all-night vigil or 24 hours. There's lots of ways to expand ourselves in this conversation with God that many people have done throughout the centuries is they deeply, deeply, deeply devoted themselves to the God that they love. And so when we want to see change in Corona, if we want to see change in our church, Look, it comes when we constantly center ourselves on Christ. And so as we do that, we're going to love Christ personally, and we're going to love Christ together. We're going to love Christ as we gather. And so we're going to constantly center our lives together on the Christ that we love. And this is the critical piece. We're going to make sure that all of us do this. See, remember the great commandment that Jesus had? He said, the most important is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. All this stuff is interesting because it's singular. You, that means you, me, shall love the Lord your God. And yet, Israel is corporate. You're to, Israel, all of you are to love the Lord your God. Individual and together, this is your calling. And this is critical because in our world where it's individualism versus collectivism, blah, 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 all that stuff. No, no, the point is that you are part of a whole. You are the individual who is part of the church. You're part of the congregation. You may be watching this at home, but you're a part of Olive Branch. We worship God together. We love him together. And so there's a corporate reality in our loving of Christ. And I love this because this is what the early church did. It said day by day, they attending the temple, that's the big group together and breaking bread in their homes. They received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with the people. And the Lord added their number day by day. They were giving of their own goods and needs, and they were just meeting needs. It was incredible but it was done in the temple, the big, and the homes, the small. And so we need to center ourselves in Christ in the worship service first, the big group, and then we'll talk about the small group. Gathering together the church is a critical thing. The worship service on Sundays is actually the church gathering. The word church is a, is a German word, kirk, but it used to mean uh, a building, but really... We want to go further back to the Greek word, which means assembly. It means a gathering of people. It's not just a family. In fact, you can't have church by yourself and you can't have church with a family. Did you know that? You can't actually be a part of the assemblage of the church and the worship of God and the gathering without other people. And this is critical because notice what we say when we send a missionary off by themselves and they land in a foreign country where there's no other Christians, we don't go, We planted a church. (laughs) No, they're not considered a church yet. There has to be a gathering of believers for a church to be formed overseas. And so we understand even in this culture, though we've been told you can be individually love Jesus, you don't need to go to church. Actually, there's a corporate and a singular connection that, yes, love Christ personally, but we have to love Christ corporately. Now, I understand in our current culture, some of you are saying, I can't come out of my house. I feel like I would be sinning and harming somebody if I came to church like that. I can't do that. And I, we understand that. Everyone has a different conviction, and you need to hold to your conviction before the Lord. Read Romans 14. It's critical because what we have done at all of branches, we've opened up the opportunity for outdoors, for people who are convinced that they need to be at church, but they need to be careful. Or indoor for those who feel like they need to be with Christ and they need to be together. And then there's those of you who are at home home because you need to be at home. Now, I want to challenge you then also to consider, well, I don't want anybody berating what they feel convicted before the Lord over. You need to be able to say, all right, at what point will this end for you? Answer that question so that before the Lord, your conviction has a point where you will regather with the church because we do this together. We worship together. Maybe it's time for you to say, you know what, there is one family we trust and we're going to bring them over while we watch our service together, this service, because we need to do it together. We need to worship together. We need to sing the scriptures together. We need to celebrate together because when we gather together, there are certain practices that we do. Right, I mean, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that's reading the Word of God, to the fellowship, that's being with other people, the breaking of bread, that was communion and meals, and the prayers. And so we go, well, what we're singing in that, man. Why why do we need to sing? I don't understand. Why would we worship in a worship service with song? And I get some of you men are like, yeah. Well, hold on a second. You realize what music is, is really our prayers to God in song. It's our confession of our theology in song. It is an opportunity for us to actually praise our God and adore Him in song. Things that we should do with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And all those are bound together in music. I love worship music because what it does is it welds theology into your heart. It breaks open the emotions so that you can feel towards God the right feelings you should have. And it actually physically gets your body involved in The devotion to God. I think music is a key critical aspect to the transformation of our souls. I want to challenge you, if you're one of those like, well I can't sing, then make a joyful noise to the Lord, ponder the words, let your mind open up, your soul rejoice, and come to know how to love God corporately. Celebrate in the Word of God, celebrate it together, dive in deep as we get to know God together through the music, through the prayers, through time and communion, through watching people be baptized. All these are critical as we worship together. Now, we're also gathered together to, to pray. And so we want to encourage you guys that at the shallow end of the pool kind of thing, again, it's just, just to come, be a part, be, attend, get baptized if you haven't, and, and enter into communion, sing with us. But eventually we want you to move forward, be taking notes, be engaged in the ministry, be praying with people at service, be using your words to encourage, all these kinds of things. But we gather together corporately, to grow in our love for God, our love for Christ. And that's one of those small hammer blows that helps shape our hearts towards Him so that we're changed. Now, there's another point, and we want to gather in the small group as well, right? The small group is in the homes, they said, and this is important because, let's be honest, the corporate large group is a great place where we rejoice together and celebrate together. We can do so much. We can hear the official teachings, all that kind of stuff. The small group is where we take that teaching, we drive it into each other's hearts. We encourage each other to dig in, to go deep, to really ponder and ask questions, to be challenged with the Word of God. We commit ourselves to another set of friends or family members to take it in deeper. This isn't a social group. That's a different thing. That's like a men's ministry, women's ministry. This is an opportunity for you to dig into actual small group units where you're challenging each other. And this is beautiful because, again, in this, they're going to gather day by day in the homes, as we saw, right? And it's there. They're going to receive food. You're going to eat together. You're going to help each other's needs. This is our number one zone for care. Ministry happens primarily in the small groups. And if you're not in a small group, sometimes you're like, I don't know, how how do I get help? And I'll tell you what, I have seen more help come through our small groups than anywhere else. When someone's sick, they visit them in the hospital and they'll bring meals over. They're the ones who set up the trains and and bring their money. There's been small groups who've taken their stimulus checks and given it to the one in in their group who, who needed it. This is the kind of beauty that happens in a small group like this. And I'll be honest, that is the power of that gathering together. But it can be blinded. Look, you can, some of you hate small groups because what you find in a small group is not what you want. You gather together and maybe it's a social group. You're not actually talking about the word and challenging each other, so you're not growing. Or maybe you gather together and you unwittingly, you didn't know you did this, but you cancel out the change. How? Well, suddenly the Word of God challenges you in your heart. And instead of you saying, you know, I want to encourage you to get out there and read the Word today. Hey, I want to encourage you to go share the gospel with your neighbor. I want to encourage you to repent of that thing. I mean, this is what we're here for, to encourage each other and exhort each other. We go, oh, it's okay. You know, we are all frail and you're doing awesome. And we kind of affirm our way into mediocrity. Don't let your small group turn into an affirmation party that destroys the iron sharpening iron kind of stuff. The blows of God amongst the group to shape and the sparks flying so that we become useful tools in the hands of God. Don't allow your small group to disrupt that. Let it become the place where those hammer blows and that fire stays hot because you are learning together to love God and to seek Him out and to grow deeper into the Word of God and grow deeper in your knowledge of God and your worship of God and your prayers with God and your passion for Him. That small group is a powerful thing. And I want to encourage you guys to be a part of it, to be regularly attending, to be engaged. And, you know, there's even more I could talk about about going even further. But first and foremost, if you're not in a small group, get in one place. You can join or even start a small group. This is the simple place. Go to obcc.group, and you will find the information that you need to begin. And we want to encourage you. Just it doesn't. Small group means small. Uh, four to to twelve people, if you've got t- and a couple that wants to join you, do it. Let's begin to grow spiritually in those smaller units. We need each other to grow together. And so as we sit in this year, I want to remind us that the greatest change that's going to happen in Corona, the greatest change that's going to happen in our church, is going to happen when we constantly center ourselves in Christ. Constantly bring ourselves to love Christ, to live Christ, to share Christ, and back to loving Christ and living Christ and sharing Christ. We'll get into the live and share in the next two weeks. But right now, to love Christ personally in the Word and in prayer, corporately in worship and in small groups, in large and small groups, maybe impressing into a class here and there. Guys, we want to encourage you to develop because we want you to constantly center on the Christ that we love, live, and share. That'll make the greatest change. So we want to make Him known. So I stand with this final challenge to you today. How are you going to do this? What is your plan? Right now, Plan how you're going to grow in the word. Plan how you're going to grow in prayer so you can love Christ personally. And then plan how you're going to grow corporately. Are you going to join a small group? Are you going to make sure you're here at church not making it uh, uh, or in attendance uh, something that's like ah it's a legalistic. No, just because you want to be in the presence of God's people and his word and you want to be there this year. What is God convicting you in? And write it down. I want to encourage you. I want to beg of you. I want to plead with you to do that because it's these small changes, it's these small hammer blows as we're centered under Him that will change not just us but our church and even Corona and our culture. If we will just stay on that anvil, we'll stay centered right there to let God shape us. So what's your plan to stay centered? Write it down, get it set. I want to pray for us as a church that so we would dive in deep to love Him this year. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for those in this who are watching this, who are sitting on their couches, uh, enjoying their coffee, listening to this. I ask your blessing on them that they would be determined to pick up and take on the simple process of loving you, God, of knowing your word, of digging in, of walking with you in a challenging way. I pray that you would bless them to keep them centered on those, those simple practices. God, as uh, they come back and get in the gathering of the church, would you help them in the conviction of when that is right for them? Would you speak to them and lead them? Would you give them a small group that they can begin to be continued to be shaped by? God, we want to know you. We want to love you. We want to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us do that. And as we step out from here, use us as we move next week into living for you. And we just uh, we, we thank you for this opportunity we have this year to grow in our love for you. And we just uh, surrender ourselves over to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, our Branch, if you've been uh, joined with us to this point, thank you for being with us today. We're glad that you have been participating with us here online. Wanna encourage you to continue to do so. Hey, share this with somebody that you think uh, is part of the church, made them connected in a while. You know, build a relationship, get connected, say hi to one another online. If you are new with us, let us know. You can simply text new to the number at the bottom of the screen. Let us know that you're a part of this. If you wanna have answered questions, we would love to connect with you and build that relationship. We are excited about what God's doing around here, and we are excited about what He's doing with you. May He bless you this week. May He lead you forward in the name of Christ, and uh, we will see you next week.